Hey, welcome to the Butterfly Empire. It is me, your Butterfly Queen. And we are here to cover something very, very special. Some of y'all may have heard of it. Some of y'all may have not. And that's okay, because that's why I'm here. I'm here to let you learn all about it. All the little nooks and crannies, and that is okay. So come in and join us on this butterfly empire. Here we go. Hmm. Well, hello there, you good-looking people. How are you there? So, today's episode is Beverly Elite, also known as Angela Death, is one of Britain's most notorious, you know, serial killers. Good shit. So, who is Beverly? Don't you ask. Started all in like 1968. Uh, well, they were born in 1968, so I might as well say it started then. <laughs> oh, that makes me laugh. Sorry about that. Oh. Okay. 1991. Picture this. Okay, you can't picture it because I ain't said nothing. Nurse. Yes. Yes. It's a her, by the way. Claimed her first victim, a seven-month-old Liam Taylor. Her next victim was Timothy Hardwick, an 11-year-old with cerebral palsy. You know, no suspicions were aroused at first, and she continued her spree of violence unchecked. You know, they were already sick, so nobody would notice. In total, she claimed four young lives and attempted the murder of nine other victims. Suspicions were raised when records revealed missing nursing logs. Beverly Elliott, or Angela Death, as she would later become known, exhibit some worrying tendency early on. While growing up and one of four children, including wearing bandages and cast over wounds, she would use to draw attention to herself without actually allowing the injuries to be examined. Becoming overweight as an adult, she became increasingly attention-seeking, often showing aggression towards others. She spent considerable time in hospitals, seeking medical attention. Now, she became increasingly attention-seeking, often showing aggression towards others. She spent considerable time in hospital seeking medical attention for strain of physical ailments, which culminated in removal of her perfectly healthy appendix, which was slow to heal as she insisted on interfering with the surgical scar. She was also known to self-harm and had to resort to doctor hopping as medical practitioners became familiar with her attention-seeking behaviors. Elise's behavior in adolescence appeared to be typical of Munchausen syndrome, you know, where you hurt yourself to seek attention or Munchausen syndrome. By proxy, means somebody else is doing it to you. So, just so you could attention-seek by medical uses. When this behavior failed to elite the desired reactions in others, she began to harm others in order to satisfy her desire to be noticed. 
She went on to train a nurse and was suspended of odd behavior, such as smearing feces on the wall in nursing homes where she trained. Her absentee level was also exceptionally high, the result of a string of illnesses. Her boyfriend at the time said later that she was aggressive, manipulated, and deceptive, claiming false pregnancy as well as rape before the end of the relationship. Despite her history of poor attendance and suspicious failure of her nursing examinations, she was taken on as a temporary six-month contract at the chronically understaffed Grafham and Kestevan Hospital in Lincolnshire in 1991, where she began to work in the hospital's morgue. There was only two trained nurses on the day shift, one for nights when she started, which ex might explain how her violent attention-seeking behavior went undetected for as long as it did. Man, understaffed? So she had a free range of, let's get this shit doing. Okay, let's start with the crime, shall we? On February 21st, 1991, her face victim, seven-month-old Liam Taylor, was attempted to a children's ward with a chest infection. Elite went off her way to re reassure his parents he was in more than capable hands and pursued them to go to get home to get some rest. So I can do all the journaling nastily. <laughs> when they returned, Elliot told them that Leon had suffered a respiratory emergency, but that he had recovered. She volunteered for extra night shift duties, so she could watch over the boy, and his parents chose to spend the night at the hospital as well. You know, Liam had another respiratory crisis just before midnight, but it was felt that he'd come through satisfactory. Elite was left alone with the boy. Oh, man. However, this condition worsened dramatically, becoming deathly pale before red blotches appeared on his face. At which point, Elite... Summoned an emergency rescue team. At least nurse colleagues were confused by the absence of alarm monitors at the time, which had failed to sound when he stopped breathing. Liam suffered cardiac arrest, and despite the best efforts of the tending team, he suffered severe brain damage. Oh man. And remained alive with help of life support machines. On medical advice, his parents made the agonizing decision to remove the baby from the life support, and his cause of death was recorded as heart failure. Ali was never questioned about her role in Liam's death. Only two weeks after Taylor's death, her, vic her next victim was Timothy Hadwick, an 11-year-old with cerebral palsy who had admitted following an epileptic fit on March 5, 1991. Ali took over his care and again followed a period when she was alone with the boy. She summoned the emergency rescue team who made him without a pulse and turning blue despite their best efforts of the team, which included a pediatric specialist, were unable to revive him. An autopsy later failed to provide an obvious cause of death, although his epilepsy was officially to blame. Her third victim, one-year-old Kaylee Desmond, was admitted on March 3, 1991 with a chest infection from which she seemed to be recovering from. Five days later, you know, with the help of uh, Miss Elite, in attendance, Kaylee went inside cardiac arrest at the same bed where Liam Taylor had died a fortnight before. Ah, fortnight before. The rescue team were able to revive her, and she was transferred to another hospital in Nottingham, where attending physicians discovered an old puncture hole under her armpit during 
thorough exam. Oh? Please tell more. I'd like to know. They also discovered an air bubble near the puncture mark, where they attributed an accidental injection, but no investigation was initiated. Five months after Paul Crampton, is that Crampton? Crampton. Jeez, couldn't tell if it was C or G. Became Elliot's next best place in the ward on March 20, 1991, as a result of a non-serious bronchial infection years prior to discharge. Elite, who was again an attending a patient by herself, summoned help as Paul appeared to be suffering from insulin shock, going into a near coma on three separate occasions. Each time the doctors revived him, but were unable to explain the fluctuation in his insulin levels. Well, duh! When he was taken by ambulance to another hospital, knowing him, Elliot rode with him. He was again found to have too much insulin. Paul was extremely fortunate to have served the administration of the Angel of Death. The next day, five-year-old Bradley Gibson and Ammonia Sackford went into unexpected cardiac arrest, but was saved by the recitation team. Subquintally, blood tests showed that his insulin was high, which made no sense to attending physicians. Attendance by Elliot resulted in another heart attack later that night. And he was transported to Nottingham, where he recovered, despite his alarming increasing in the instance of unexplained health benefits. All in the presence of Elite. No suspicions were aroused this time, and she continued her spree of violence unchecked. On March 22, 1991, two-year-old victim, which I'm gonna probably chopping this name up, so don't mind me, you're screwed up. Yik Hong Chan turned blue and appeared in considerable distress while Elliot raised the alarm. But he responded well to oxygen, another attack resulting in his transferal to the larger hospital in Nottingham, where he recovered. His symptoms were attributed to a fractured skull, the result of a fall. Elite next turned her attention to twins, Katie and Becky Phillips, just two months old who were kept in for observation as a result of their premature delivery. A bout of gastroenteritis brought Becky into the ward on April 1st, 1991, when Elite took over her care. Two days later, Elite raised the alarm, claiming that a Becky appeared hyperallergenic and cold to the touch. Oh, hyperglycemic. My bad. They both look the same. Excuse me. But no ailment was found. Baby Becky was sent home with her mother, during the night, she went into convulsions and cried out in apparent pain, but when summoned, a doctor suggested she was just colic. No rhyme or reasons, just a gastrol issue. The parents kept her in her bed for observation as she died during the night. Despite an obstacle, pathologist could not find a clear cause of death. Becky's surviving twin Katie was admitted to Gratham as a precaution, and unfortunately for her, Elliot was again in attendance as Becky's whorebag. <sighs> It wasn't long before she was again summoned rescue team to revive baby Katie, who had stopped breathing. Efforts to revive Katie were successful, but two days later she suffered a similar attack, which resulted in the collapse of her lungs following another revival effort. 
She was transferred to Nottingham, where it was found that five of her ribs were broken, in addition to suffering serious brain damage as a result of her oxygen deprivation. In a supreme twist of irony, Katie's mother, Sue Phillips, was so grateful to Elite for saving her baby's life that she asked her to be Katie's godmother. Oh my god. What? Huh. Alia accepted willingly, despite having influ inflicted partial paralysis, cerebral palsy, and sight of hearing and damage on the infant. But sure, let me be the god. <laughs> ah! Former victims followed with a high incident of unexplained attacks and otherwise healthy patients and elite's attendance during these attacks finally caused suspicions to be raised at the hospital. Alien's violent spree was brought to an end with the death of 15-month-old Claire Peck. Come on down to the graveyard. I mean, what? <laughs> on April 22nd, 1991, an asthmatic who required a breathing tube while in Ailey's care for only a few minutes, if in it, suffered a heart attack. The recession team revived her successfully, but when again alone with Ailey's presence, baby Claire suffered a second attack from which she could not be revived. Although an autopsy indicated that Claire had died from natural causes, an inquiry was initiated by consulting a hospital, Dr. Nelson Porter. Who was alarmed by the high number of cardiac arrests over the previous two months in the child's ward? An airborne virus was initially suspected, but nothing was found. A test that revealed a high level of potassium in baby Claire's body resulted in police being summoned 18 days later. In case y'all didn't know, you can eat so many bananas or take so much potassium, and it actually will kill you. Death by bananas. You say, you say? Yeah. Her exemption discovered traces of lignocaine in her system, a drug used during cardiac arrest but never given to a baby. The police superintendent assigned to the investigation, Stuart, Stuart Clifton, suspected foul play, and he examined the other suspicions cases that had occurred in previous two months, finding in ordinary high doses of insulin. And most further evidence revealed that Alien had reported the key missing to the insulin refrigerator. All records were checked, parents of the victims were interviewed, and security cameras was installed. Huh. Bam pam. I need to drink a coffee after that. Mm, tasty. Suspicions were raised. Records were checked, revealing missing daily nursing logs, which corrupted to the time period when Paul Crampton had been in the ward. 25 separate suspicious episodes, with 13 were identified, 4 of whom were dead. Only common factor was the presence of Beverly Elliot at every episode. Oh no! So, mm, she better get arrested. Oh, let's find out. By July 26, 1991, police felt that they had sufficient evidence to charge Elliot with murder, but it wasn't until November. 1991 that she was formally charged. Yeah, yeah, it's kid that is. Elliot showed calm and resistance under interrogation, denying any part in the attacks, insisting that she'd merely been caring for the victims. Oh, boo-hoo, I've been doing my job. A search of her home revealed parts of missing nursing log. Why did you leave it at your house? Jeez. 
Further extensive background checks by the police indicated a pattern of behavior that pointed to a very serious personality disorder. And Ailey exhibited symptoms on both Munchhounding Syndrome and Munchhounding Syndrome by proxy. Remember what I said earlier? Yeah. Which are both characterized by getting attention through illnesses. Which Munchhounding Syndrome physically or physiologically symptoms are either self-induced or formed into ones to gain attention. While Munchhounding by proxy involves inflicting others' injuries on others to gain. Let me try that again. <laughs> involves inflicting injury on others to gain attention for oneself. There you go. It is fairly unusual for an individual to present with both conditions. At least behavior in adults appear to be typical of Munchausen syndrome. When this behavior failed to ungli- and <sighs> failed to get the desired reaction in others, she began to harm her young patients in order to satisfy her desire to be noticed. Despite visits and assessments by numbers of healthcare providers while in prison, Elliot refused to confess what she had done. After a series of hearings, Elliot was charged with four counts of murder, 11 counts of attempted murder, and 11 counts of causing grievously body harm. As she awaited her trial, she rapidly lost weight and developed anorexia nervous, a further indication of her psychological problem. After numerous delays due to her illness, as a result of which she had lost 70 pounds, she went to trial February 15, 1993, where prosecutors demonstrated to the jury how she had presented each suspicious episode, the lack of episodes when she was taken off the ward, evidence about high readings of insulin and potassium each one of the victims, as well as drug injections and puncture marks were also linked to Elliot. She was further accused of cutting her victim's oxygen either by smothering or by tampering with machines. Her unusual behavior in childhood was brought to light in the pediatric experts. You know. <sighs> blah, 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 blah. It was Professor Meadows' option that Beverly Elliot would never be cured, making her a clear danger to anyone with whom she might come in contact with. At the trial, that led us nearly two months, Elliot was convicted on May 23, 1993, and was given 13 life sentences for murder and attempted murder. It was the harshest sentence ever delivered to a female. But according to Mr. Lengtham here, it was commissioned with the horrifying suffering of the victims, their families, and ignominy she was brought upon nursing as a profession. Welcome back after those short messages of nothing because you didn't even know I was taking a break. Now you do. The more you know. <laughs> okay, let's talk about the aftermath. What happened after she got arrested? The impacts in Ailey's case had on the Grantham and Caveston Hospital was so severe that the maternity unit was closed down altogether. Well, I wouldn't want to go there either. Jesus. Rather than going to prison, Ailey was incarcerated at Ransom Secure Hospital. And Nottingham, a security, high security facility, housing mainly individuals detaining under the Mental Health Act. As an inmate at the Rampton, she began her attention seeking behavior again, ingesting 
ground glass and pouring boiling water on her hand. She was subsequently admitted to three of the murders of which she had charged, as well as six of the assaults. The appalling nature of her crimes was placed her on the home office list of criminals who will never be eligible for parole. There have been accusations, most notably by Chris Taylor, father of Elliot's first victims, Liam, that Ramton's is more likely Butland's holiday's camp than a prison of what she deserves. The facility, which has some 1,400 staff to deal with, around 400 inmates, costs taxpayers around 3,000 per week per inmate to administer. Jesus. In 2001, there was a report that she has to marry. She was to marry a fellow inmate, Mark Heggy, although she was currently still seen. Mostly recent, she was a subject of a Mirror newspaper inquiry in May 2005 when it was relevant that she received over 40 grand in state benefits since her incarceration in 93. In August 2006, Alien applied for a review of her sentence, which led to a probation service to contact victim's family about the process. Ailey remains in Rampton. Okay. Name, Beverly Alien. Birth year, 1968. Birth date, October 4th, 1968. Birth city, England. Birth country, United Kingdom. Female, best known to be as uh, Angela Death, Britain's most notorious female serial killer. She's a Libra, in case anybody questioned it. Well, that pretty much wraps it up, ladies and gentlemen. Men, female, of all sexual unicorns. I don't care what you are. But you got the point. So, I will talk to y'all during my next episode, because guess what? These things ain't scheduled. I have other things in life to tend to. You know, all the lovely stuff. But, yeah.